job. So what are we doing here? Well, uh, I figure we just got to keep fixing it. We got, okay, cool. Do you know what? I did fix a thing this week. Our, our uh, listeners, you know, all, how many do you think we have? Like at least a million at this point. I mean, if there's um, not a million, then people aren't paying attention to the right things. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am currently uh, rocking back and forth in my chair, and it is not squeaking. Uh, I had to get a new one, as dictated by my wife, because the old one uh, looks like it belongs in a trash can. <laughs> well, <laughs> because... the lack of squeakiness will be much to the benefit of everyone's listening. Indeed. Pleasure. Indeed, it will. The, the cats like literally destroyed my last one. So my first topic is going to be, um, it's, it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. It's also near and dear to most of my friends, colleagues, uh, wife. It's, it's near and dear to all of their hearts, especially when dealing with me. And I'm, I'm curious to get your feedback here. Um, it is now 8.17 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, which translates, that's my time zone, which translates to 10.17 p.m. Central Daylight Time, which is where you are currently in Houston. And it's on Wednesday, it's Wednesday night right now. And so my topic tonight <laughs> is tardiness and how people feel about it <laughs> because we're supposed to be doing this at 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time or 9 p.m. Central Daylight Time. And we're also supposed to be doing this on Monday, but that's a little bit more besides the point. <laughs> we'll just go with the hour and 15 minutes late that I am right now. And at a different point, we can get, get to the two days late. So let, let me ask you, because I feel like, by and large, you are less tardy than me. How, how, as a receiver of a friend who you might you might agree with me is often tardy, uh, how how does that make you feel? I've always been of the uh, thought process that it's better to be an hour early than a minute late. But at the same time, I also the people who are late to things are generally always late to things, which is. I think a personality difference. I don't know. Okay. I don't know many people that are sometimes late, sometimes early. I know people that are always late or always early. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, that's a good. That's actually a pretty interesting uh, observation there. And so you plan your life around that, right? So if I've got friends that are always late, I fudge the time of the start a little bit. Yeah. Okay, that's a good idea. Chelsea does that to me all the time, and I have to admit it works pretty well. Right, because. The difference in those two personalities is a misjudgment of how long it takes to get started on a thing. If I leave work with 15 minutes, I can get home in time to do the thing, and somehow it's lost in their mind that it takes them 30 minutes to get home literally every time. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it's part of life, and you deal with it. I don't know. My dad's late to literally everything he does. So <laughs> Really? Okay. Um, so that's why you're tolerant because you you grew up with this type of behavior. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's half of the human population's late to everything that they do. So it's I yeah. So and, and so for me, I am like notoriously late. Chelsea knows this. My colleagues know this. I try not to be. It's not like so. Uh, 
and, and I understand this argument. There's a pretty strong argument for the psychology of being late. Chelsea feels strongly this way, that you feel like you're more important. You, you expect to show up and everyone to be there and everything's ready. And that's, as far as I understand, maybe my subconscious thinks that. I hope not. But as far as I understand, I am legitimately like, this is the amount of time it takes to do this. And even when I plan for the adjustment from the last time I was late, it gets worse anyway. And then I'm still late anyway. And I'm like, what the hell just happened to me? Uh, two things. I don't think that the people who are late are consciously thinking, my time is more valuable. I'm going to show up late so that I don't have to wait for anyone else. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone thinks that way. Uh, that ends up being what happens, is that everyone else wastes a little bit of time waiting for you. That's but true. I, but like to say that there's intent makes it sound more nefarious than I believe it is. Yeah, I'm sure there are a few people that that have that intent. I don't think I have that intent. Like, that's never my intent. It's always something gets in the way and throws me off, and I didn't put enough of a buffer there. So let me ask you, what is your technique for, for, you know, maybe you're not always an hour early, but what's your technique for the, you know, at least somewhat early, or tech, technique for always on time, mostly on time. It's not really a technique. I just get this internal panic when I know I've got to be somewhere that won't let me do anything else. Like my brain can't focus on whatever I'm doing. It's like you should be going right now, even if the thing's not for like two hours. So sometimes I have to set a timer so that I don't leave too early, and then I just have to tell myself that that timer is telling me leave then. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, okay. It's just an inter- it's just internal. I don't know. It's See, yeah, because I I'm kind of the opposite. I'm like, uh, oh, I need to leave around four, and then you know, like all of a sudden it's four fifteen, and I'm like, oh shit, you know, maybe that's what I need to do is just you know, I know I've got to leave for something, and I'm okay at judging the time required to leave, but I just have to set a like an alarm for that time required and literally get up and walk out when that alarm goes off. Well, let me ask you this. You've had things in your life that you had to be on time for, exams or interviews or other things like that. Why Mm. were you able to be on time for those? Ah, so do you know what? I'm about to shit all over myself. (laughs) That's That's a very strong argument for feeling like for maybe subconsciously feeling important or that you can be late to certain things, right? And that would be bad, right? Because you're right. A lot of times I'm not late to those things, but I will tell you, I don't know if you recall this story, but back in high school, I don't even know if I should say this because it was kind of not, it was kind of against the rules, but I won't mention any names of who let this slip. I was like, literally an hour late to my computer science AP test. (laughs) Like literally an hour late. I think at this point, what you did in high school in 2006, you go to the name slip, it'll be all right. Yeah, but I just don't want to get any of the administrators in trouble. I even know the name of the administrator who let me in and shouldn't have. But I was literally an hour late and I felt so bad and I was driving like a maniac on the way to school and I was let into the exam funny story 
probably why I didn't learn my lesson. I was both let in and got a five. <laughs> so, Were you given any additional time, or you're just able to bullshit your way to the five? In the no, I was time? given no additional time. <laughs> I literally, with an hour less than I should have had. I was pretty good at it back then, and so like that that worked to my favor. Uh, but yeah, I, I and so like I have been late to important things like that. Um, but you're right. By and large, I tend to be on time for things that you know typically you don't survive being late to, or you don't do so hot if you're late. Well, try to pretend the next four or five things that you have a scheduled deadline or scheduled time for are super duper important and to see how that makes you feel. And if it makes you feel really bad, then maybe don't keep doing that. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's what I need to try is just all like, like you said, turn this kind of meter on in my head that this is literally life or death. <laughs> well, it's like, what made those times? Like, did you have some internal feeling for those times that made you move in a different way than normally things make you move? No, I, I yes, and and that's why I'm starting to get the sense of where you feel. But you're you're saying that you feel that all the time, all the time. Like right? the same yeah. feeling for a final exam I have for meeting my friend at lunch. See, and that's honestly, if I'm being honest with myself, it's not, that's not the case for me. Um, so maybe I need to change something internally, you know, to address that. And, and maybe I can do things like you do to help fix it. Whereas you set a timer for <laughs> not leaving too early. I can set a timer and it will just be like you get up and you walk out no matter, even if you're in the middle of something and it's going to take you time to, you know, get your headspace back into that task or whatever. You just get up and walk out because that's the time, you know, you need to leave. So I will take this advice, Rob. I appreciate it. Hopefully it will help others who are afflicted with my condition. And maybe oh. you, it helps others who are afflicted with your condition where it's you're going to have a freaking heart attack. <laughs> what I've done recently is I've tried – like. I try to justify getting there early because something else I have to do when I get there anyway. And so like if, for instance, we are going somewhere that's nearby a park, I'll be like, well, I'm going to go and then just get some extra steps in so that I can hit my step goal ah. of the day. Okay, and that yeah. way I can leave 45 minutes early to get somewhere that's 10 minutes away and just pretend like I meant to do that and got steps. That's a good idea. I need to do that too. And honestly, it feels really, really good when you – I've done that a few times, sometimes by accident, sometimes on purpose. And it feels really, really good, right? You get there like my band members will – I'm notoriously on time to that. Like it starts at 7. I'm there at 7. I'm supposed to be there at 6.55 so I can get my horn out and all that, that jazz. Play on words. Uh, but – in the times when I did get there like 45 minutes early and just did work, just op flipped open the laptop, did work or pulled out my horn and practiced something for once. It feels really good to accomplish those things. Right. And uh, there's always a chance that you can't change because my dad is now 67 and still has <laughs> never been on time for anything his entire life. So <laughs> just throw it, throwing him under the bus. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the way it is. I, I don't, 
Yeah. He, he has to know at this point. If he doesn't, oh, yeah. I don't know who he thinks he's kidding. He knows who he is. That's <laughs> all. I know who I am, but I would like to. I'm glad that I've gotten this advice and that I can at least make some attempts to address this issue. All right, bit of a philosophical conversation. Uh, I guess okay. I'll state the question first in general and then maybe see if you can figure out what made me think of it. Okay. Is it ever okay to celebrate the death of anyone for any reason? Oh, wow. That's pretty hardcore, but my instinct says yes. And I don't know whether that's good or bad. Uh, my instinct would say yes, and you know, the first thing that pops to mind, I'll let you continue if you have some something to add there, is like Hitler. That's kind of like the first thing that pops to mind. Yeah, that's that's the probably the most contemporary extreme example of someone who is widely agreed on as being a force for evil. Yeah. Um, most people that die in general have two sides where some people yeah. like them, some people didn't. And I don't think you're going to find many people that are going to argue against having a pizza party in celebration of the death of Hitler. Um, yeah, so that... Even in 1945, when all of that happened. The question is, where does that line drawn? Like, when is it not okay to celebrate the death of somebody? Because, like, uh, this is going to date the podcast a little bit, but last week, uh, Roger Ailes died. And I had a really yeah. tough time not feeling really good about that. And then after I felt really good about him dying, I wondered to myself, is it okay that I felt really good about him dying? Okay. So what I would say is there, there's a distinct difference, though, between feeling really good about it and celebrating. Well, and you know, <laughs> so there's all these lines. I would say when I read that, I didn't, I didn't celebrate. I didn't like whoop in the air. I didn't, you know, uh, throw a pizza party <laughs> in reference to the uh, Hitler pizza party, I guess is what we'll call it. Is that what we're going to, is that a quote for the uh, episode title right there? Hitler pizza party. <laughs> Hitler pizza party. Oh man. <laughs> so I, I don't know where that line is i would have to say this is this is what i would have to say i would say in general to each his or her own um if if you really didn't like me and i pass away uh i'm not gonna be hurt by you throwing a party in my honor or lack thereof <laughs> um my loved ones who I leave behind might be hurt by that. And that's, there's something to say for that, that I'd prefer not to uh, overly psychologically stress people. And so that's what I'd say my line is, is that I heard he passed away. I'm not going to go throw it in his loved one's faces, you know, like, ha, what is it like? That's Pam from Archer. Ha. <laughs> You know, I'm not going to do that because I, I just don't feel like that's a good thing for me to do. And I'd have to say in general, I wouldn't be super uh, – I wouldn't 
want my friends to do that about people either, like go throw it in their loved ones' faces. Uh, but I think if you are, uh, you know, generally like, uh, that's probably not worse for the world, and you go on living your life, you shouldn't feel bad about that. And that's going to be everyone. Everyone's going to have that feeling about different people. And it is kind of sad. I can see how that's like a very interesting philosophical question, but that's life. You're going to feel that way. And you can't change that, really. How do you feel? Do you feel like a party is warranted? Or, or do you feel like you'd feel a little bit bad about throwing a party? Let's so take Roger. I, I argue with myself about making a Facebook post about it, right? And now that I'm going to go and say it out loud anyway, I might as well guess posted it. But I guess it's probably <laughs> more obscure than my Facebook is. But I was going to say, yeah. you know, post a link to Roger Ailes, you know, has passed away. And then the thing was going to be, sometimes you have to remind yourself that bad things do happen to bad people Ah, okay. Uh, see, I'd say I don't have a problem with that. The problem is that you know there are people who probably are very much in favor of the work of Roger Ailes that I know. And is it okay for me to blatantly be celebrating the death mm. of someone in the face of people who do not share my disdain for him and his, his work? So here, here's what you do. You golden rules it, I think. Um, so you're golden, golden rule it. Let's take someone, and I'm just throwing one out of the hat, like out of a hat. I'll choose Obama since he seems to be generally unliked by, say, people who like Roger Ailes. Uh, and let's say it was the opposite. And you had a friend who posted, like if Obama were to pass away, pass away and you have a friend that posts, you know, sometimes we have to remind ourselves that bad things happen to bad people. What would, what would your response be? See, and and for me, I would have been like, okay, I probably wouldn't have responded. I'd be like, eh, that's in bad taste in my opinion. Uh, And I obviously disagree with that sentiment. Uh, But I'm not going to, like, hate the person probably for posting that. But I I would be like, eh, it's in bad taste. Yeah, I don't think I would respond uh, publicly. Yeah, but I think privately I would carry a significant amount less respect for that person. Yeah, and so I think that's where the question really lies. I'm sure you could find a pretty good amount of people in Germany on the date of Hitler's death who would not have appreciated a, a Hitler pizza party per se. Nowadays, you can very rare that that the percentage of the population who would be offended by that is quite low. So historical like time makes a big difference there as well. Um, so I'd say really the only thing you should feel bad about is do you care about people's reaction to it? And that's kind of how I live is it's like, Hey, if you stop respecting me for my position, okay, I hold this position dear enough that I don't really care if you don't like me anymore. That's my position, you know? And so it's kind of like that. That person probably doesn't care that that you don't like them anymore. Just as when you – if you post about Roger Ailes and, and say something like that, I'm going to be like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I didn't really like him that much either. But another person who dislikes that, you might be like, fine, I don't care what they think anyway, you know? Yeah, so when I was – uh looking through the reactions to Roger Ailes' death. Mm-hmm. Um, I stumbled upon a Christopher Hitchens quote, which obviously he didn't say about Roger Ailes. He said about a um, fundamentalist 
uh, evangelical pastor who died. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I'm I'm not going to take the time to look up the full quote, but I'll okay. I'm sure I'll get the point across. He said, um, "If you gave that man's corpse an enema, you could bury what's left in a matchbox." <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and someone was applying that that quote to Roger, uh. and I. I giggled. The other one that I saw that I liked was um, I'm here. I am joking about the death of someone after I'm philosophically wondering if it's even okay to be to be happy to die. But uh, someone said um, I, this is another paraphrase, and I don't actually know who said this one. The last one I do know who said that originally, but yeah, my mother told me to only speak good of the dead. Roger Ailes is dead. Good. I've I've read that one before. I forget who said it though, uh, but I have read it before, and I think it's it might be one of those Christopher Hitchens or Dawkins or Sam Harris, one of them, us notoriously evil atheists, you know. <laughs> um, so you know, I'd say at the end of the day, I think it's okay to at least secretly celebrate. And then the amount you throw it in people's faces, let's say, is really up to you to decide if you want to alienate. Because a lot of people are going to take – I would take pretty deep offense to somebody saying that about Obama, and I would find it in very poor taste. Um, and I would probably respect that person a little less. Uh, you know. And so you really just have to say, do you care what other people think, what, how they're going to react – so whether it's right or wrong, I think it's it's really just up to you to 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 decide how much you care what other people think about it. Honestly, honestly, that is my opinion on what the definition of right or wrong is. <laughs> right, I don't think there's any fundamental right or wrong. So it's just, do you it, it, does society think it's right or wrong, and then do you care what society thinks dictates that? You know. Uh, we're both kind of political, and it's been in the in the news a lot. Russia and Trump. What do you think? What, what's what is going on? Is this a conspiracy theory? Uh, you know, is it emails? Is it Benghazi? Like, you know, there's really nothing there, or is there something huge there, and we need to get to the bottom of it? Are we being too aggressive about getting to the bottom of it? What's what's going on, Rob? If I believed that Donald Trump was a deeply intelligent, <laughs> long-term strategy-minded person, uh-huh. I would think that based on his actions, absolutely for sure, there is something wrong, that he has okay. broken a law. Okay. But I honestly believe him when he says he fired James Comey because he was a showboat. Oh, I, I honestly agree. believe that he did not think that firing James Comey would, would look, bad. look bad. He, I think he believed that I'm going to fire this guy that liberals didn't like because of how and everyone's going to love me. And it's going to be a super popular decision. I'm sure that in the morning when he woke up and they are showing him about the backlash of firing James Comey, he was legitimately shocked. Okay, yeah. When, uh, he yeah. campaigned against 
the ideas of Barack Obama. He mm-hmm. campaigned uh, against the ideas of uh, the liberal movement. And I, at one point, many considered him to be liberal, but I think he's so yeah. weak-minded that he has convinced himself of all of the things he says. And so okay. when he heard that there's this ex-U.S. military general, which supposedly conservatives love military generals, and Barack <laughs> Obama doesn't like him, that's why he hired him. He yeah. didn't think twice about Russia connections of Michael Flynn or any of that. He just like, I'm going to stick my finger in Barack Obama's eye. He told me not to hire this dude. Well, guess who I'm fucking hiring? And I think yeah. the same thing he did. He probably got like a million people telling him Betsy DeVos would be the last person <laughs> he should make in charge of, this, of the Department of Education. He was like, the last person? Let's do this. Yeah. Like, Rick Perry <laughs> couldn't name the Department of Energy. Uh, yeah. So I don't think we should probably consider him for this role. And he's like, well, penciling him in. Uh, yeah. Jeff regard, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions is a borderline uh, white supremacist. Putting him in charge of the highest law in the land would be hilarious. And he's like, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's as far as he thinks about anything. I don't think he has yeah. any deeper under-the-surface thinking that you usually associate with politicians. So, so I think that's – I, I would kind of be in the same boat that he is just chronically bad at making decisions based on actual reasoning. And what my guess is, is similar in that there may have been actual collusion between his campaign and Russia, but I have no doubt that he didn't know about it because he's just not smart enough to know about it. Yeah. Right. I- I think, yeah. I mean, I honestly think they could have sat him down in a room and told him all about it, and it would went in one ear and not the other. And he, he may have been told, but I don't think he knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he forgot. It was email. It was talk about Hillary's email. To say he forgot suggests that he ever knew. Uh, yeah. I'm saying that like they probably sit there and try to explain stuff to him. And it's just he's such a brick wall that they can't get it in. I mean, there was a report that I don't know if this is true or not that James Comey wore a blue suit so that he could blend in with a blue background of the Oval Office so that maybe Trump wouldn't talk to him. Like these are highly intelligent, strategically minded people in charge of major organizations that are dressing themselves in a way to try to avoid having a conversation with this. So I, I had heard that too. Like uh, he he just like tried to stand in the background so that he wouldn't be addressed. And this this is like a friend of Comey's that reported this, and they basically reported that it's not that Comey didn't want to talk to him as much as he was uncomfortable with the conversations that they were having and the way they were going in terms of, hey, so you're gonna drop the the investigation right <laughs> you know and just like trump blatantly asked but you're right it's like the same thing with that intelligence that trump let slip to the uh russian ambassador it's like i don't know what to call him out on because i don't think he purposefully is leaking this information to the russians because he's chummy with the russians i think he just doesn't He's a bumbling idiot and doesn't know what he should or should not be saying at any point in time. 
Right? Well, if like, you look at the context of what he said to the Russians, he was bragging about how great the U.S. military intelligence is. And he just had to prove how great it is by sending this thing like, oh, look what we have. We're, yeah. we're so tremendous or whatever the hell he says. Yeah, great, tremendous, you know, all those <laughs> useless adjectives. No, I and mean – also. Even yeah, more recently, ahead. did you hear that he told Duterte that we had two nuclear subs in the uh, East China Sea? Yeah. It's like, he, Duterte probably didn't need to know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's one of the things that I find so funny is I remember it, – it's not funny. Let me rephrase. It's not funny. But we talked about this a few weeks ago too. We don't even have time to freak out about that. Right. Like I remember people saying, you know, Hillary's emails may have let intelligence slip. And it's like, okay, but this whole thing, if it did, it was on accident and someone had to go out of their way to get that information from her emails. Trump's just given it away. And it's not even on purpose, it's by accident because he's an idiot. And <laughs> like we don't even have time to freak out about it because there's so much other shit to freak out about. Yeah, I saw. I don't remember which show it was. It may have may have been Seth Meyers' show, but he showed Sean Hannity after like this like seven straight days of Trump controversy, and mm -hmm. after seven straight days, he showed Sean Hannity saying, "This is all just liberal propaganda. Nothing here. This is just a waste of time. It's a witch hunt." And then he shows Sean Hannity at the exact same day in Barack Obama's presidency, <laughs> ordering a hot dog and asking for Dijon mustard. And Sean Hannity's like, oh, look how fancy you are, Mr. President. I hope you enjoy your fancy French mustard. Yeah. Like and I was like, the scale of what people are <laughs> upset about is so off. Yeah, that was uh, – Colbert did something similar where it was like comparing scandals, you know. Uh, so so th th that's a good argument too with, you know, with the liberal news media and the lamestream media bias or whatever. With Benghazi, that's not what CNN or the Washington Post or the New York Times ever said. In the first few weeks, they were doing in general investigative journalism. Right. It wasn't until like six months later when they were all, OK, we, we can drop this now. Right. There's been a report. The report says there was no wrongdoing except for, you know, better funding. You know, this has been beaten to death. So any extra investigation is basically flogging a dead horse. Right. And it's just the the comparison is so ridiculous that on the day it it breaks hannity is like this is nonsense it's lamestream news media conspiracy theories and most of that same media did pretty good journalism on obama scandals that weren't mustard related um and and then dropped it when it was like okay this is this is enough now you know so you're right. The, the, just the, the scale is ridiculous, in my opinion. It's uh, it's amazing that 
they focus on these things. And I, I, I'd like to know what at the hive mind decide that Benghazi was going to be a major focus because <sighs> there are attacks on U.S. embassies every year all the time yeah where people get killed u.s citizens get killed and we don't hear about them but this one they decided yeah. and, and like long after there was they, they said that there was nothing irregular happened here this is normal they just kept pounding the pavement just it was saying it over and over again years like literally years and there was a bipartisan commission whose report said you know as in so far as any wrongdoing, there was some level of inattention to the political climate in that area, but it was no one person, and even the State Department had requested more money for defense in these types of scenarios, and they didn't get it from Congress. And and other than that, there was all this stuff about you know. They didn't order the planes on time, or Hillary Clinton specifically blocked Navy planes from taking off, and and they were like, no, all of that is made up. You know, there there's no evidence of that whatsoever. Could Hillary Clinton even do that if she'd wanted to? Is that something no, in the realm of what the Secretary of State is allowed to do? No, I think there was something like that. Where was it? Leon Panetta at the time, who was Secretary of Defense. I might be sad at myself if I end up being wrong, but whoever it was was quoted as saying, you know, she didn't do that and she doesn't have the the ability to do that. That's not within her purview. She has no ability to block the Department of Defense sending a, or scrambling a fighter jet to respond to an emergency, right? It has nothing to do with the State Department. So, and they had, it was a Department of Defense decided to do not do that for some reason, and it seemed logical at the time, and then they just were like, oh, it was Hillary Clinton who said, or, or Obama blocked that, and they said, nope, that's not the, anyway, I, what's what's sad is that it is 2017, when was that, what, uh, 2011, or no, 2012, right? That was 2012, it is 2017, and we just talked about it for five minutes, and it's one of the most, insignificant events in terms of irregularity in U.S. history. <laughs> I mean, the thing that the uh, right-wing radio, talk radio people are talking about now is uh, this Seth... Oh, jeez, yeah. Uh, saying that the DNC had him murdered because he was the leaker. Yeah, or some... Yeah, and, and there's... It, it's in its infancy now, but I can almost assure you they're going to find some way to tie it to whichever Democrat runs for president in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just tack it on the laundry list of heinous acts that they've committed. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I just kind of wanted to get your feeling on Russia. That's kind of my feeling too, is that, you know, I'm I'm not going to go Benghazi on it, but there is just so much more evidence in that direction anyway. But whether or not Trump had anything to do with it is a complete toss-up in my mind because I don't even know if he's capable of orchestrating such a plan. <laughs> right, and the thing that, you know, if the Trump campaign actively worked with Russia towards the goal of making Hillary look bad, that's a problem for, to me. Yeah. Oh, I agree. If a 
potential president of the United States, and I know it's probably against some rules, but if a potential president of the United States during an election starts talking to countries like Russia with hopes of getting our relations with that country in a better place, yeah, I don't necessarily think I would have a problem with that. Nope, me neither. Um, and so if what they're talking about is, if I become president, how can we make our countries closer? I'm good with that. If they're saying, can you help me become president? Or, or, you know, you hack, you, you hack some servers. I, you know, back off and, uh, sanctions like that's not okay. (laughs) You know, the other thing that I'd like that I would think would be more interesting and more scandalous is, is Trump currently financially benefiting from business deals with foreign powers? And I don't care who those foreign powers are. That is a conflict of interest that I do not want a president of the United States to have. And it's not good enough to give up control of your business to your children. Like you need to give up control of your business in such a way that you can't get it back after you are not longer, no longer president. Yep. And I, and what I think is, strange is that what and it's it's probably just because there's no there's not enough representation of democrats in congress right now but that's a really big deal and uh, you know we have to it's almost like we're glossing over it because we just don't have time for all of the shit right it's it's like that is a huge deal and it's just like you know what? But he tweeted something super ridiculous today, and so now we got to jump on that. And that's I, – I was listening to some podcast or something where someone was like, that's his playbook is just continue to distract constantly. It's like you walk up to him and say, hey, I think your policy on this is not – and then he throws a football in your face. It's like how do you – how do you have this – conversation about anything when there's like 20 threads it's like his taxes and and somehow he convinces his base that it just doesn't matter like how did you do that if if obama had done that people would have lost their minds right like ah it's ridiculous the question is (sighs) is trump distracting out of a necessity to keep the the news cycle rolling away from, you know, actual scandals towards, you know, him saying the previous president wiretapped him or whatever. Yeah. Is that a deliberate strategy or is he just an idiot saying stupid shit and the stupid shit is so magnified due to his position that we have to cover it? And I then- will uh, – my, my bet is all my money is on the ladder, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Well, actually, I don't know what's better: uh, 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 intelligent but connivingly evil, or just an idiot. You know what I saw a commercial for the other day? Socks. Billy Bush has a his first interview since uh, the campaign, and he is going to tell all and defend <laughs> himself. I'm like, really, man? Like. Who cares? Yeah. Nobody cares about the pussy grabbing sidekick. <laughs> like it's like, or or we thought we did, and then we all of a sudden realized that we don't. Apparently, 
that, that's the thing. It's and that's what you say. I think I made I posted on Facebook or something after a first week of his presidency, he signed all of these, in my opinion, heinous executive orders. And I posted something about how it's so sad that yesterday he he signed an executive order that was going to I can't remember exactly what it was because there were so many, but be generally detrimental to women in the workplace. And then the next day he signed his, his, you know, Muslim ban executive order. Uh, And it's the same thing. I didn't, we didn't even have time to focus on all of this shit from the day before because it was new shit the next day immediately. And now the shit from the day before is immediately ignored. There's the same thing with the, the Holly, what is access Hollywood or whatever tape. It's like, he is always doing something and it's just, there's no time to talk about it anymore. Whereas if that tape had come out for Obama, we'd still be talking. Fox news would still be talking about it. I guarantee it. And they'd be on this like religious, righteous crusade about how he's a horrible human being, you know? A part about that that really pissed me off about that particular thing is that how they justified it was it by saying, oh, all men oh. talk like that in the locker room. I'm like, no, we don't. I don't ever no. talk like that. I don't ever publicly say that I want to fucking grab women's pussies <laughs> that are at a position of power significantly lower than mine. Like, that's not, yeah. okay. I, I, that's not an okay thing to even think. I like it's 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 one of those things where you can admit and I've even admitted it to to Chelsea it's like yeah guys will say that they find women attractive that is not unheard of in the locker rooms like or or like you know and that's probably not good um but to suggest sexual assault or, or sexual assault based on your position of power, that is something I have literally never heard. Literally never, right? Like I've heard guys talk about, you know, oh, did you see so-and-so today or whatever? Like that I have heard. I have never heard anyone suggest that they are capable or should engage in sexual assault. That is a completely different type of attitude that I have literally never heard. What did we learn today, Aaron? So, first of all, I learned some tips about how to be less late. I learned that I am still exacerbated every time someone wants me to talk about Trump. Well, I also learned um, a little bit about how I would react to or should react to people's passing who I may not necessarily agree with on a philosophical or political level. Got anything else, Rob? Got nothing, man.